welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing noise to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. This is very exciting for me. This is the first episode that I'm recording in a uh, in my new home ever since moving. Uh, it's not exciting, though, because I am very sick and I'm going to sound like garbage through most of the show. So <laughs> no. bear with me. H, I'm I'm very happy for you. I hope. Uh, do you have more space? Is there new space here? Yeah, uh, it's it is a bigger place. It's shared with my partner now. So, you know, however, that goes into the space equation. This is exciting. This is well, yeah. So maybe less space overall for <laughs> you personally. But uh yeah, that, that's nice. I always find that uh, I move into a new space and I'm like, I find new, uh, a larger space a little bit intimidating at first because I'm like, I don't have anything for this particular place or this particular location. And then you kind of flex and end up filling all the space and then you go... Man, everything's always kind of a mess. I just don't, I, can't, I don't have enough space for this stuff. And then you have to move it all. Right. The cycle that is uh, American living, where you just are constantly upgrading into new, larger places, uh, ideally. <laughs> ideally. Doesn't always go that way, though. <laughs> no. Uh, anyways, for the sake of my voice and for the sake of the listeners, perhaps, let's go ahead and move into the point of the show, which is the. Video game pitches. It looks like I'm going uh, first tonight, so let's rip that bandage off and get this going. Okay. All right, so what I want to pitch today is a Twitch plays drone combat in a way. So two drones, like consumer <sighs> drones, not military drones, okay, good. I'm are scared. <laughs> out somewhere in the desert and each have like lasers or other weapons that are designed to like disable systems on the opponent drone it's kind of like an honor system like a laser tag instead of like actual weaponry <laughs> um so viewers of two twitch or mixer channels microsoft plug <laughs> um control them and they're real drones sending real-time footage and I don't know whether it's one person that controls them at a time or whether it's like a joint effort like Twitch Plays Pokemon was, um, but I would like kind of remote controlled, and by that I mean like actually remote controlled drones fighting against each other in real time for the amusement of Bored Kids on Twitch. And we'll go ahead and start the clock there. I like that. So obviously first I was pretty scared about the repercussions of a drone battling game. <laughs> but uh yeah you kind of have pitched battle bots in space a, a little bit um obviously without the sort of sci-fi element but i do like the idea of being able to sort of issue commands to the drone like latency talk about like managing latency of course i'm sure our friends at mixer have the latency thing under control but maybe <laughs> our partners at twitch do not necessarily can account for that sort of latency but maybe it was okay with pokemon because pokemon was turn-based so is there mm -hmm. sort of compensation that we're gonna have to to deal with or is it just gonna be very sort of it's almost like turn-based drone combat yeah i mean the um the twitch place pokemon crew did other games that were real time like dark souls although that's a bad example because they kind of turned that into a turn-based game by like pausing the game every few frames and then kind of tallying up the most popular command choices and going with that and so it was like a real like a stop and go uh, type of way to play dark souls but i was thinking that um you know it doesn't need to be super precise 
it just kind of needs to like I, I feel like drones are a little like floaty no i guess you know I don't know whether no pun intended, intended or yeah, not, yeah. but they're a little, they're uh, squishy almost in their movement. They're sort yeah, of, yeah. they're more like manipulating a Madden football player as they're turning left and right on the field right. or, or Geralt perhaps uh, than, <laughs> than, than a, uh, well, than a sort of character action game. Yeah. It's no Bloodborne. Uh, what I do like about this and one potential way to solve it is I was actually at a fair slash festival recently and I saw that they had drones, uh, but the drones were just like connected to very long wires. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize that was something that like, I guess duh, you can plug anything in, but I had never seen a flying thing plugged in. So they were able to sort of indefinitely maintain the drone flight because of that. And you could potentially not have a, okay, the drones are going to be on this hour. How do you make that work? So one potential way of solving that issue. Yeah, but I was just thinking, you know, the just the fun of maybe it's like even three hits is enough to take down Grenemy or something like that. Like it's very very low number and it's just like watching this drone kind of like wildly over aim as everyone is pushing like you know upper left upper left at the same time and like way over shoot and uh you know when you do get that one good shot in it's kind of like a kind of like a football goal it's like you know everyone cheers because there's only like one or two of them per game and it's uh maybe even throughout the game you can make the lasers bigger um, kind of give them more of like a range that they could, uh, that they could, uh, attack. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier as time goes on. Uh, and then you could even overlay a lot of, um, like AR elements because everything is three-dimensionally tracked and mapped and everything. You have these two drones and you can like really just kind of draw things in the air because, between the two of them, you can kind of triangulate exactly where the laser is supposed to be shooting and, and what it looks like on both ends. That's interesting. You could even probably negotiate with enough drones and like AR symbols above them. You could put yourself together some like drone chess. Yeah, that would be I think that would be a little difficult in the <laughs> like Twitch plays format. Yeah, but... just the most dramatic game of uh, chess that there could be. Someone would say, why not just regular chess? I mean, this could really like if it takes off uh, again, I don't know about puns, but uh, if it does take off, then this could be like a battle royale thing. You can have a hundred Twitch channels all controlling, like each controlling their own separate drone, just kind of like last man standing wins. But also like the amount of potential IRL tourism that this could attract, that people could, you know, play the game and really enjoy it through Twitch, but um, you could actually go there in real life too because these are real drones that actually exist somewhere in the Nevada desert. That's really cool. You know what? Talking about the Battle Royale format for a second, you could really open the door for, let's say, the original Battle Royale. Uh, I, of course, am referring to Tag. Okay. <laughs> and so now you could have a a drone tag simulator, essentially, where... You get 100 Twitch chats, 100 drones, and your drone sort of lights up a particular color when you're it, and then otherwise you are able to... So, like, and really you're kind of... Your whole chat team is rated on how long 
your it during a given match or given session. So like the second that you are it, everybody in the chat is really incentivized to quickly work together and tag in maybe an unsuspecting chat room or a chat room that seems to be, you know, exhibiting signs of discord uh, based on their erratic movement or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe everything isn't like a manual aiming, like maybe kind of like Tetris, uh, Tetris 99, how you can just, you know, set your computer to target one of the other teams. And, you know, it's not so much about like precisely, I don't know. I think part of the fun is the chaos of like, although if it was a battle royale and there were a hundred drones, just like randomly firing your laser into the air is actually a pretty good strategy for a little while. I'm trying to think about what the mechanics would look like of like plotting moves ahead. Like you're talking about maybe the drones move less like an analog joystick and a little bit more like a grid. And so you're always sort of like, more battleshipy playing with the drones where everybody's trying to specify mm-hmm. sets of coordinates and as coordinates reach critical mass and votes or something like that then the drone will sort of automatically pilot itself over to those coordinates and then if you tag something along the way i guess maybe that makes the tag part a little bit more complicated that's possible it seems like you would need like an overhead camera to get a sense of like where everything is in relation to each other um i think there's a certain like fun in the chaos of and you see this in games like rainbow six siege where you just have a first person viewpoint of a camera on a robot and you can't see the entire room at once and so you're really trying to just do your best to get the best angle and to try to look around you and to get a a map like a 3d picture in your own head of what's going on but like it's mostly guessing because you have a very limited viewpoint it would be kind of fun to do drone battleship and you're actually dropping little nerf darts onto a a giant (laughs) grid with so you get the like camera view you get a picture in picture the camera view of the grid and then, of course, the grid assignment of the drone that the group is kind of in control of. Yeah. Yeah. You could have these drones performing very, um, I guess, very fine motor tasks, so to speak. And whoever does the best job, like maybe you're trying to paint a picture. Well, that always goes wrong whenever the Internet controls it. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, one of the things I do think is sort of part and parcel with this that could be interesting, but is a different take. I would be surprised if it hasn't happened already is Twitch playing one of those uh, crane games that are popular in Japan. Yeah. So I like the idea of the drone maybe taking on the role of the crane in many ways where you're sort of articulating it up and down, left and right, and you're also trying to do your best to get the drone to behave in the way that you need it to behave. I don't know if you're aware of the... Um... The mobile games that are based on the crane games, and they're actually like real oh, yeah. camera feeds of real crane machines in some warehouse somewhere. Uh, yeah, I had a boss uh, who was super into those at one point. Actually, his name's Gion Cruz, so I think he he may still he streamed playing it. And he would just have boxes of stuff that showed up at the office. So, so why don't we add in the element of... Twitch plays can finally, you know, end in real loot. Like Twitch Prime members actually get a loot box for uh, for successfully navigating the drone or setting a record with time not it or something like that. Yeah, let's go ahead and call that one there. I think we've uh, just about hit our time, so let's give it a name. Feel like whatever we do, drones should have a Z on it. What about, um, it's like the Mad Max movie Thunder Drone, 
Oh, Thunder Drone is pretty good. Oh, and you could put the whole thing in a nice metal cage, nice metal sphere. No one's going to get yeah. hurt. The drones can't <laughs> escape. It's perfect. Two drones enter, one drone leaves. On Sunday mornings, you see a poor hapless dude like crawling into the bottom of the cage to like repair <laughs> some of the drones and replace them. All right, that sounds good. All right. That is, uh, that's something. <laughs> Let's get to your pitch now. What are you bringing us today? Well, um, it finally happened, uh, and of course it took you leaving Nintendo to make it happen. I, I always told them that you were holding them back. <laughs> I can play Super Nintendo on my Nintendo Switch uh, for all that is holy. And so I've been playing mm -hmm. Mario World, big surprise, and it got me thinking about, you know, sort of all of the modern takes on platformers that there have been, and thinking about especially the oh man what was the one where you're climbing a mountain recently it was really good Ice so climber. last <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one how recently are we talking <laughs> <laughs> and thinking about like the celestes and all of these different incarnations of the world and it could be thinking i would really like to do uh, a platformer that is kind of you're playing a character that absorbs materials they as they stand on platforms made of different materials, they sort of start to take on the properties of that platform. And what that results in is, like, a platform will be made of a certain material, and that material will have different properties of maybe weight, uh, maybe things like how bouncy you are. Each of them have kind of repercussions on the physics. You can half and quarter absorb platforms and end up making cocktails of physics behaviors in the same character uh so you end up with like not quite a build your own uh platformer feel but you end up with a little bit more of a kind of sort of always changing feeling platformer and i know that like platformers are about getting used to the jumps but i don't know i I think I'll stop it there and see where we take it, but it's a platform where you're absorbing materials and your jumping and running and bouncing properties are all affected by what material you've absorbed. All right, sounds interesting. Let's start the clock there. All right, so I think a couple things have to be necessary. Um, I think it seems reasonable to give the character a certain amount of like flying ability. Um, because if yeah. touching the ground is what changes your your physical state, then you have to be very precise with where you land and where you choose not to. These are choices you have to make. Uh, so like a Kirby type of character I think would work really well here. But the thing I don't understand is that the moment you take on a property, the thing that changes is your character and how the world will interact with your character, how your character interacts with the world. But if yeah. you like if you turn into a rock and then jump onto the water hoping that you'll sink do you just turn into water at that point like how do you actually interact with other objects if you're kind of always taking on their properties that's a good question so maybe maybe there's almost a rock paper scissors in terms of what what objects and what properties give you what uh platforming behaviors and abilities but the general thinking for me is that you could create long platforming sections where let's say if you stay on you stay on a platform for just a moment there's so many platforming segments where they ask you to platform very quickly and on or under a bunch of platforms and i was thinking wouldn't it be interesting that instead of like the timing 
being just a total linear path of, okay, run, run, jump, 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 and you kind of learn that pace, you get more of an eased uh, or linear curve of behavior where, okay, I know throughout this section I'm going to be slowly taking on more and more and more weight, and so my jumps are going to get shorter and shorter, and I'm going to come down on these platforms harder, uh, and that sort of makes me change and adapt uh, what my run or flow through that particular level is just in different segments. And maybe the segments offer at times two potential platformer uh, platforms rather to jump onto. And now I am using those alternate platforms. I'm like, okay, I need to go pick up some of property B in order to maintain the sort of cadence or speed that I want to, to make it through this section or for this section to be ideal for me. Okay, so I understand changing physical attributes. What other types of attributes could you potentially change? I love how Kirby can kind of take on uh, the attributes of like a wheel to roll around and stuff like that. So I wonder if there are other types of um, types of interactable elements that we can incorporate into this design. Well, one of the I guess one of the easiest is straight up mapping the the Mario set of behaviors of you're getting power-ups and the power-ups mean different sorts of attacks for Mario, but maybe there's something more interesting there. Maybe, you know, the same way that the cat suit in Mario 3D Land uh, suddenly enabled, like, wall climbing or or almost breaking that end state of the the climbing up the pole to get to the top. Potentially there's certain elements that let you stick to things or let you um, hold on to a ledge for an extra amount of time. There were so many times, you know, in the Mega Man series, Mega Man X specifically, where you could kind of cling to a wall where I go, man, I wish I could just cling for one second longer. Mm. And so being able to say, okay, if I spend enough time on platform type A, B, or C, I know I'll be able to do that. Okay. I know it's, it's something about just even the, platform or the genre of platform um platforming rather that is limiting so i'm trying to think i think so when you land on certain objects like to me i think it'd be fun if there were interactions between what you are and what you land upon um whether that is like power mixing like you would get in kirby 64 where you could if you were a plant type creature and then you landed on like honey or something then you become a plant that has honey in it or I don't know, whatever. Um, or whether it's, whether it's something where like if you were a, uh, like a rough sandpaper texture and you landed on wood, then you can start to kind of like chisel away at the wood or something like that. Like those types of puzzles to me seem interesting, but they would almost kind of necessitate you being able to choose when you absorb powers and when you don't. So I don't know if that's what we want because that also kind of takes away some of the challenge of the game in a way of like kind of having to kind of, you know, you made your bed, now you got to sleep in it. You know, you land right. on this platform, now you just have to roll with whatever it gave you. One, that gives me kind of an interesting idea, which is the ability to have certain elements interact with each other. Maybe you, maybe you can, you have some sort of short form rewind or something where you can very quickly replay segments of the level, almost a, a super meat boy, uh, speed of, uh, starting and restarting even just portions of a level. Then you could do stuff like 
have one section of platforming, say it has ice platforms, but if you took on fire properties earlier, then you find yourself able to, the first couple ice platforms, instead of absorbing them, you will melt the ice and turn them into sort of neutral platforms. And so you find yourself like constantly cracking the puzzle that is the order of platforms to scale hmm. the level in. Okay, so that's interesting. So you can damage the platforms. They're, you know, somewhat expendable. You can change the platforms just like they can change you. Yeah, so imagine being, uh, you know, I hate to use the example of fire again, but I think it's the easiest to explain. Being fire and there being a grass platform and now you're in a situation where you actually are burning that platform and that platform will disappear on you. Um, you could create a, a platformer that has, pl like, platform states persist, right? There's so many platformers in Mario included where you kind of go back to the previous screen and the things that kind of fall down are already, you know, back or whatever. If you make the wrong choices earlier about what element you are or you choose to be a sort of riskier type of element, then you're going to make certain sections of the level harder on yourself in order to gain certain advantages later on in the level. Okay, interesting. Um, certain kind of destructive platformer. One of the things I really love about the SteamWorld Dig games is that you are a, a miner. In a way, you're mining down into the ground. Uh, you're digging up the dirt around you, and then, but at the same time, you have to get back up. And so yeah. what you are doing is you're creating your own platforming challenges via the route that you choose to take. So on your way down, you might choose to, thinking ahead, plan out more of a, like a staircase pattern so that it's easy for you to jump back up. But yeah, yeah it's interesting that temptation to just kind of like, you know, burn it all down because it's easy that way and then regret it later. It would be really interesting also to, you know, forget about just platforming if you turn this whole thing into a Metroid-like game and <laughs> you're putting yourself in a position where, uh, depending on what power you used where, you've made certain areas inaccessible to yourself and will require you to obtain another power to go and actually visit those areas. That's another thing is that like how long are you expecting people to be able to hold on to a power? I would think that things would have to be pretty proximal to where you need to use them uh, just because of like how quickly you'll be cycling through them. Yeah, it could be. And I mean, you could have it so that, say, gaining the power of ice or a power of maybe you do something, you know, not so direct element based and you have stuff like rubber and, and you know a little bit more in clay and sort of more interesting uh flavors of of material if you did something like that and you're like okay well staying on one particular platform is a, should be somewhat of a risk right so there would be either obstacles or something that are constantly pushing back on the idea of you staying on one particular platform and being able to absorb its properties fully or the more absorbed into a particular property you are, then different sorts of bad guys start showing up in the level that are particularly effective against you as that property. So you're you're constantly having the world say you shouldn't have a pure build, but having that pure build will make you, you know, potentially strong against the boss or strong against certain sections of the platforming. All right, that's all the time we have there. Let's come up with a name for this element shifting platformer.
I feel like the word material makes it in there somewhere. There's a game I want to draw attention to. It's not really similar to this idea, but um, it's a kind of block ba- block based platformer uh, in the vein of like a um, battle block theater or something like that called Blocks That Matter. And it was using matter in the sense of like a thing that you can hold because all of the blocks were of different elements, ice, earth, water, whatever. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a cute little pun for them to make. It's called what? Blocks that matter. Blocks that matter. Um, I wonder. I wonder if you just called it something like you even have a, a character in game say you're not jumping material or something like that, and you you the whole <laughs> game is you're you are jumping material. Jumping material. I I'm like that. That that has kind of a funny ring to it. <laughs> All right. Let's let's go with that. Let's close that down and let's listen to a community pitch. It comes from Andreas Leonardson, who says, really short pitch, it's Fire Emblem Three Houses, but in the world of Harry <laughs> Potter. You play as a teacher and prepare your students for a, for a coming conflict. We'll start the clock there. Andreas, I think you just pitched us Harry Potter. Or Fire Emblem Three Houses. You know, everyone <laughs> kind of compares uh, the Fire Emblem Three Houses format to... Hogwarts and that whole system already. So I'm interested. We've already got properties that are sitting kind of right next to each other. How do we differentiate differentiate them and bring in some of Harry Potter's unique elements to try to change a game that's already pretty heavily copying that format? Well, one thing I think is ripe for change. This is going to be a sacrilege, I'm sure, to someone. But I went into Fire Emblem thinking that the thing I would be staying for, quote unquote, was the combat. And I would be sort of suffering through the relationship stuff. And I found myself really sort of, I don't know if bored's the right way with the combat, but not not enamored with the combat. And instead sitting there thinking like, man, I need to find out some more about my students and have some tea. <laughs> so it's the first game to successfully tickle that side of these sort of Japanese uh, life sim things for me. I, I think it would be cool to use the world of Harry Potter to do a little bit more maybe third-person action-y gameplay and bring in things like uh, sports and have, you know, obviously Quidditch events would be wonderfully thrilling, I mm. think, in the video game format. There's been Quidditch video games before, but it, I think it would be double as fun to, you know, be able to play that in a in a setting where it mattered and it it led to different conversations in different social situations. That's interesting. So let's see. Um, one of the things I really like about the Harry Potter books is all of the obviously all the stuff they get up to in between going on their grand world adventure. You know, they're off solving mysteries and they're um, uncovering the secrets of the school. And I feel like at least at the point that I am in Fire Emblem so far, I'm not really getting that. Uh, you know, it's it's very character focused, but it's not really that so far enamored with like the school itself. There's not really mm-hmm. mysteries to solve beyond finding loose items on the floor and asking everybody <laughs> if anything belongs to them. <laughs> yeah, Janitor Simulator 2019. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, you're right. I think because Hogwarts would be a more interesting setting, I think you open yourself up to do stuff with Hogwarts, like all of a sudden you find yourself 
in secret rooms and you're on. Unc- I mean, I, I guess maybe I didn't get far enough into Fire Emblem to know if that these things exist in Fire Emblem. But I love the sort of the antics and the trickery and nonsense you can get up to with things like the invisibility cloak and going and doing instead of, you know, just like a culinary thing, you can have a potion making class and, you know, turn people into different animals and uh, concoct different things that might unlock new secrets of Hogwarts for you. Yeah, there you go. Um, So what else about the the combat in Fire Emblem? I feel like that system still going to work pretty well for the wizarding, especially because there are magic users already. It doesn't feel like it really needs that much much adaptation. But I would like if there's a little bit more kind of like environmental improv. Um, I feel like Fire Emblem has dabbled in that in the past. Obviously, the block that you land on top of, you can kind of take some of its properties of if you're in the forest, then you have higher defense, um, kind of like your pitch recently. Um, but I, I don't feel like there's that same level of like, I, I just go back to the scene in Harry Potter where they're dealing with that creature that like turns into your worst nightmare. And then you just kind of like find things in the room to make it look and do silly things to like dispel its horror. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of improvising in Harry Potter, which I like, which I don't get in Fire Emblem. And I think the Harry Potter, at least the stories would give you a little bit better diversity and environment. Like everything in Fire Emblem feels like you're just in this, you know, you're always on a, not necessarily hugely expansive, but you're always on a battlefield for lack of a better term. And I think with Harry Potter, you could do fun stuff in Diagon Alley and you could be in people's houses and you could do all these sorts of storytelling beats that include like the character development stuff, but are doing it with characters because of the environments they're in rather than just like, okay, here's the fire emblem part of the game, you know, because I think fire emblem three houses for as interesting of a, a game. It's proven to be for me. It's, it's, it feels very much like, Hey, we made two games that are living right alongside each other. And maybe, maybe the later hours of the game kind of prove that wrong, but that's what it feels like at the moment for me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be three games, though, unless two of the houses are more similar than I had uh, anticipated? <laughs> yeah, I'm, that, that's definitely the case. I don't know. I'm not at the I'm not at the five year skip yet. Yeah, me neither. So but I, I guess what I mean is like the the battling section of the game just like you oh, could oh not, i see right you you're not, not talking about story that. branches right right i think you could like skip an entire half of that game and they okay. kind of let you um right by like fast forwarding days or s- simulating days or simulating combat they're like what part don't you like mm-hmm. you can just opt out hmm. whereas i i think like the events rather than being entirely battle-based if they were a mixture between what is that fun Uh, quote unquote fun. What is that interesting trial that the kids do in Harry Potter where they're kind of in that maze and they're doing. Yeah. The the Triwizard Cup. The Triwizard Cup. Which I think we have named a game that specifically in the past. (laughs) Right. So it would be fun to have like the Triwizard Cup be a culmination event and then also have Quidditch matches and doing like off exploration and yeah, trying to solve things that are a little bit more logic puzzles as much as they are combat mixing that stuff up as the events rather than just everything always culminating into combat could be really fun 
we have to make the uh, narrative conceit of the game that uh, uh, you are the new teacher of the dark arts, right? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> <laughs> every year uh, they need a new one of those? So what if we also take elements from Football Manager, which is a game where you manage yeah. you know, football teams and you simulate the games that play you're not actually playing them like fifa or or pez or something like that like you are just there to manage like who is on the field and who's doing what i don't know that much about football but um what if you are kind of having a more managerial aspect but you do get that kind of like fire emblem me a relationship type stuff i don't know about like necessarily dating the students like you do in fire (laughs) emblem but you, you get to like really get to know people and people really have personalities and you get those uh those encounters with people one of the things i that's interesting one of the things i do like uh about fire emblem is the sort of small bits of systematic thoughtfulness of like pairing the right people together for group study to get the best results or pairing students who maybe have contrasting interests in order to get one um, a little bit more interested, even if that's not, you know, what it technically ends up being stat wise, the fact that they're doing that makes it feel a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more alive for me. I like the idea of somebody is not going to be good at Quidditch if you make them a great, like thoughtful wizard or, or if they're better at combat, they're not going to be good at Quidditch if they're they're better at uh, the sort of logic puzzles. They won't be as good at uh, combat, that sort of stuff. Okay, let's go ahead and close that one down. We've run out of time. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. As you're playing through three houses, you assign somebody, you know, a certain specialty uh, in their combat field. And they come to you and they say, like, can I do this instead? Have you ever said no? <laughs> I don't think I, I have yet. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I feel like that's the game subtly nudging me into like having a more balanced team. And I'm just like, whatever. If if you think it's the right thing to do, then it's (laughs) fine with me. (laughs) That might actually say more about what kind of teacher you would be. (laughs) Anything else? probably true. What do you want to do? Math? Okay. Uh, Anyways, let's come up with a name for this game. I mean, Harry Potter four houses would be pretty (laughs) easy. Yeah, that's that's the one. I was just about to say, how many houses in Harry Potter? Because that's the answer. Okay, Harry Potter and the Four Houses. <laughs> that's kind of fun. Anyways, that was submitted to us on Twitter at uh, PlaywrightCast. You can also email us PlaywrightCast at gmail.com or you can you can go to our website PlaywrightCast.com slash pitch. Ah, is there other... Sorry, I'm very sick today, so I'm having a hard time. You're doing great. You're doing great. Um, Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And of course, go check out the other awesome shows on the Kane and Rince podcast network, just like The Sausage Factory, where you're going to hear interviews with people who make games instead of us schlubs that are just making them up on the spot. Uh, You're going to hear Sound of Play, which is great selections of music and increasingly uh, wonderful uh, guest composers uh, from many popular games. And, of course, the old standard, Papa Cane and Rinse. They would love to hear me call them Papa Cane and Rinse, wouldn't they? (laughs) Papa Cane and Rinse, the granddaddy of the whole thing, the whole reason that uh, you can go to caneandrinse.com and check them all out, where they review video games in 
the most thoughtful way. I think really almost any podcast is doing it. That, that might be hyperbole, but I, I really believe it. I think that's accurate. Anyways, uh, with that said, let's go out with the bang today. How about a game where you have to play as a germ infecting as many people as possible? I think that, uh, I guess that's just p- pandemic, isn't it? Oh, well. No, no, it's kind of the opposite of pandemic. <laughs> pandemic meets Mr. Mosquito. <laughs> Perfect. All right, well, we'll uh, see you next week, everyone. And I'll sound better, I promise. May you get well. And bye. Bye. <laughs>